Hi, I'm Lynn. And I'm Jan. Welcome to the Lampladders podcast. Lampladders is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. And this year, we are grateful to be on the journey with you as we travel through the Bible, following the stories of some women who have impacted our faith. So this week, we are on our third and final installment of the Book of Ruth. And so far, we've immersed ourselves in love. Mm-hmm. Naomi's love for Ruth, Ruth's love for Naomi, and last week, Boaz's for Ruth, which personally, I think, was love at first sight. might have been. So how does the love story end this week? <laughs> well, what we're going to see today is that the story in chapter three is basically a mirror of chapter two. And what I mean by that is that chapter two started with the two women making a plan. Ruth taking action, and the women rejoicing in the results. That's exactly what happens in chapter three. If you remember when chapter two ended, Ruth was under the protection of Boaz and had permission to glean his barley fields. This was a big deal because it meant a reliable source of food for the two women. But even better, Naomi realized that Boaz was one of her family's guardian redeemers, and that was indeed something to celebrate. So we open chapter three once again with the women making a plan. This time, however, it's Naomi who has perked up and is in control and helping Ruth. This points back to the love and loyalty these two women share. Naomi loves Ruth and wants to make sure she is well cared for for the rest of her life. Yeah, okay, but in fairness... While Naomi knew she had an obligation to plan for Ruth's future, the fact is, if Ruth was taken care of, Naomi would be taken care of. Wise woman, right? Mm -hmm. So Naomi tells Ruth to bathe, put on perfume and her best clothes, and go lay down on the threshing floor. (laughs) Naomi definitely saw this as an opportunity for Ruth And so that is why she gave her those instructions. But none of this makes much sense to us today. So an explanation is called for. These are not instructions my mother ever would have given me before a date. No. No. First, Naomi is telling Ruth that Ruth is no longer going to present herself to the Mm. world as a grieving widow. Her daughter-in-law is going to change out of her mourning clothes and even wear perfume. These are all very clear signs that she is now available for marriage. These are signs that Boaz will understand when he sees Ruth. Okay, that makes that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Ruth is going to throw off her widow's weeds. Um, but still, the whole laying down at Boaz's feet on the threshing floor thing, what in the world? That seems so odd. Well, okay, all of the grain that is collected during the day has to be winnowed. The winnowing process is performed by throwing the grain up in the air against the wind. And you've heard of this before, Mm -hmm. you know, separating the wheat or the grain from the shaft. Basically, when tossed up into the breeze, the heavier grain falls back to the ground, while any chaff or leaves or debris is blown away in the wind. It's the way of cleaning it. All the grain that is brought in has to go through this process. Now, the farmer... Boaz, in this case, usually stayed all night during harvest time on the threshing floor, not only to protect his valuable grain, but to help with the winnowing. That operation was performed in the evening to catch the breezes that blow at the end of a hot day and usually continued for most of the night. And this duty is such an important part of the process that the master often does it himself. 
So it was known that Boaz, a person of considerable wealth and high rank, would sleep on the threshing floor at the end of the heap of barley that he had been winnowing. So Ruth, in complete obedience to Naomi's wisdom and instructions, went in and very quietly lay down at the feet of Boaz. This may sound a little scandalous, but trust me, it wasn't. It was simply a way of reminding Boaz of the duty which fell on him as the kinsman of her deceased husband. Boaz probably slept on some kind of a mat or a skin, and Ruth would have lain crosswise at his feet, a position that servants frequently slept in with their master. It was perfectly normal if they wanted a blanket to pull a corner part of the covering covering from their master's bed. So you have to picture a very large blanket Mm -hmm. with plenty of extra fabric to pull towards you. It didn't pull it off of him. It just gave her some of it. And the fact that she was resting in the same clothes that she would be wearing during the day, there was no indecency um, in a stranger or even in this case, a woman putting the edge of his cover over her. The clear message from Ruth was, you are my guardian redeemer and I am ready to be your wife. Now, there is unbelievable courage and vulnerability shown by Ruth in this moment because she has no idea how Boaz is going to react. Even though the law provided that a kinsman could buy back an estate, which had been lost through poverty or death, to keep the land in the possession of the proper people, the kinsman had to be willing and able to redeem it. So Ruth basically proposes marriage yes. here. Yes. I can only imagine her heart pounding, mm-hmm. awaiting discovery and Boaz's response. I mean, can you imagine the shame and embarrassment, not to mention the damage to her reputation if Boaz said no? Yeah, it was very brave. Oh, yeah. But Boaz reacted with delight. He rejoiced that this younger woman did not reject him because of his age. And he promised to fulfill the duty of a kinsman the next day if he could. Then he sent her home with plenty of food so that she did not go back to Naomi empty-handed. This is Boaz being Boaz, a man of true honor and integrity. And we see it again as he protected her reputation and her honor by sending her home before everyone else was up. So there was no opportunity for gossip or speculation or talk. Mm -hmm. Well, what the women didn't know at the time was that there was another closer relative who was actually first in line to claim the property and the women. Boaz knew this. And he was ready to make sure that they would be well taken care of by someone. Ruth went back to Naomi and the women waited to hear what would happen next. The way this plays out is a real testament to the character of Boaz. Knowing he wasn't first in line, he went and found the other man and then took him to appear before the elders of the town to present the case. And the other man says he wants to stake his claim. Well, undeterred, Boaz reminded the man that it meant marrying Ruth, the Moabite, and the man quickly changed his mind. This was actually a little bit humorous to me because it shows how wise Boaz was. You know, first of all, he made it a public legal hearing. Mm -hmm. They met in the gate to the town, which was the place traditionally where hearings and disputes were settled. Mm -hmm. And Boaz invited 10 witnesses to make the whole thing legally binding. 
Um, and when the man said he would redeem the land, Boaz basically said, great, but remember, you'll have to marry mm-hmm. Ruth. Yeah. And the land will go to any children she has by you in order to maintain the line of her dead husband. Yeah. So that's the significance of the Leverite marriage, yeah. right? Yeah. And upon second thought, the mm-hmm. other man decides he didn't want Ruth in the bargain because it would diminish the estate for his own children. Yeah. So Boaz was a very clever negotiator and a wise tactician. He knew what he wanted and he knew how to get it. Yeah. And he wasn't deterred either by Ruth being a Moabite or by the possibility of losing land and wealth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I was, it's such a visual story. Yes, it I is. could totally imagine it being a dramatic opera. You know, with despair and suspense and plotting and planning and courageous action and a hero who rises to the occasion and nail-biting during the enforced waiting and hope and fear and nervousness. And it's just so visual to me. I can imagine every step of it. It is. But we have to remember that Boaz, from the very beginning, had a pretty clear picture of who Ruth was. You know, he first heard talk of her in the town and her love for her and her loyalty for Naomi. And he was not frightened away by her background because he already knew the kind of woman she was. So they married and they had a son named Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse and Jesse was the father of David. That's who we know as King David. Mm -hmm. So Ruth, the Moabite, became an ancestor of David through whose line the Messiah was promised. Ruth was a Gentile who married a Jew and became a part of salvation history. This book may be a small one, but the story it tells is part of the greatest story ever told. Mm-hmm. It is a love story on so many levels. Mm-hmm. So how are we going to wrap this up? Well, in three ways. First, I want to speak to some of the bigger pictures we see through the characters in this story. Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, protects Ruth and provides for her long before he marries her. A perfect picture of our Lord. Mm. The unknown kinsman was willing to take on Ruth, but Boaz so loved Ruth that he made her a part of his inheritance. He paid her price and married her just like Jesus Christ who paid the price to redeem us and make us his bride. Yeah, and guess who disappears from the pages of Scripture? You know, that unknown man who who was unwilling to take Ruth missed mm-hmm. out on the biggest blessing. Yeah. But we have Boaz's name still living in history. That's right. That's right. All right, now let's look at Luth. Ru- Ruth. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, Naomi tried to talk her into going back with her people to find rest in the very beginning. But something in Ruth made her realize that there would be rest only with the people of God and in the will of God. Ruth is an example of tenacious faith, devotion, and love. If you cling to God, His promises, and His people, He will meet you in your need wherever you are. We can see in Ruth's actions a beautiful illustration of a believer's relationship to Christ. Ruth washed herself and presented herself to Boaz at his feet. If we want to fellowship with Jesus, we must be washed, anointed by the Holy Spirit, and clothed. Our proper place is at his feet. I love how this picture of Ruth's preparations points to our position as Christians. Mm -hmm. We are washed in the blood of Jesus' sacrifice so that our sins are gone. Mm -hmm. We are anointed by the 
oil of God's own Holy Spirit. We are set apart for His use. We are clothed in the righteous robes of Christ, and we are perfumed with the fragrant aroma of Christ Himself. It Mm -hmm. is a beautiful picture. Mm -hmm. And maybe even more significant is when God selected Ruth. He chose one of the least of these as the basis for the lineage, not only of the future king of Israel, but for the Messiah who would save the world. God's choice to include Ruth in the story of divine redemption shows that His grace is for all people and that no person is too insignificant to be used for His glory. It's, it's a reminder of the truth we learned from Rahab. Mm-hmm. You know, Scripture tells us she was the mother of Boaz, and she managed to raise a godly man who, perhaps because his mother was a foreigner of unsavory reputation who found life and a husband among the people of God, he had a heart for the marginalized and a sure knowledge that the Lord is pleased by those whose faith is in Him. Mm-hmm. And so both women get to play a part in bringing the Messiah to the world. And, you know, the fact of the matter is we're all the least of these. Oh, yeah, we are. All right, let's take a look at Naomi. We can see that choices she and her husband Elimelech made were not consistent with what they taught, with what they had been taught. They left their homeland and intermingled with the Moabites. There were consequences to this action, and eventually she was left alone with two daughters-in-law and a bitter heart. The tragedy in Naomi's life led her to think that God was punishing her. What we know, because we see the ending, is that he's actually on a mission to restore her. No matter how difficult the circumstances may be, the only place for God's people is in the will of God. What a beautiful picture of redemption we see in Naomi when her hard heart is turned back to God through Ruth's love and loyalty and her family is restored. The overarching story here is one of redemption. The story started with death and a funeral and ended with marriage and a birth. All throughout, we see the grace of God and how he uses ordinary people and ordinary circumstances. God used the wisdom of Naomi and the courage of Ruth to move forward his plan for their good and for his glory and his purpose. We talked about this being a love story, and it's that and so much more. It's about Ruth's unconditional love for Naomi, Boaz's love for Ruth, but the biggest love story is how God orchestrated the whole thing. God used Ruth's faithfulness to provide support for Naomi. He used Boaz's faithfulness to redeem Ruth's and Naomi's situations. When Ruth boldly asked for his care, Boaz followed God's law carefully. He made small, faithful decisions all along the way. God had blessed Ruth's devotion, her boldness, and her commitment to do the next right thing. But the truth is, God did so much more through Ruth than she would ever know. Her great-grandson would be King David, and generations later, from her family line, would be born our Savior, Jesus Christ. Who knew that so much could be packed into such a short story? Um, What I want to leave our friends with is this. Since this is the last time we'll meet until after the Christmas holidays, I would like for us to reflect on that potential list you mentioned earlier, Lynn. Mm -hmm. Take some time to think back on the story of your life. And don't hurry. 
luxuriate in the memories, even in the dark times. Mm. Make a list of the way God provided for you, protected you, redeemed something that appeared to be irredeemable, rescued you, all of the things that we see in Ruth's story. The gifts of grace the Lord showered on you, Mm -hmm. probably without you knowing or recognizing at the time. I think that will lead every single one of us into a deeper appreciation for the greatest gift of love and grace, whose birth we celebrate this season. Yeah, there are so many lessons in this book that we barely scratch the surface. We can see that there is no situation that is too big or too small for God to care about. And He's just waiting for us to surrender to Him. Mm. We know that every person is precious to Him and worth saving. There is obviously plenty to learn about loyalty and obedience, too. I will say that the thing I kept going back to was the idea that there are no small decisions with God. That's a real growth point for (laughs) me because I tend to think I only need to go to Him for the big ones. And I want to challenge our listeners and myself to practice taking everything to God. He's promised to give us more than we've ever asked or imagined, but we have to let Him. It's true. And as the story indicates, we never know which decision is small or which decision is big Mm -hmm. in the present moment. That's right. Until next time, 